Effective leaders are avid listeners. Leaders often love to talk. They enjoy listening to their own great pearls of wisdom and insight. Sometimes they even begin to believe their own press reports. And as they gain more authority, they have less reason to listen to subordinates. Have you ever noticed that there is much more horizontal communication in an organization than vertical? Coworkers are always talking about everything, but the communication between those coworkers and their superiors is much less frequent and much more formal. Leaders must figure out ways to tap into the underground flow of information. They must find a way to keep current on the undercurrents. This is Hans Finzel. Welcome to the Leadership Answer Man. Thank you for tuning in today. This is a show for anyone who wants to excel at leading others. I promise to give you practical leadership tips you can use this week. Welcome to today's show. Today we're continuing our series of chapters from my book, The Top 10 Mistakes Leaders Make. We're going to be looking at Chapter 7. This chapter is called Communication Chaos, Singing from the Same Page in the Hymnal. The audiobook version of this entire book should be available soon after this podcast has posted. And remember that the show notes and the diagrams for this chapter and all the chapters are at hansfenzel.com slash diagrams. And my podcast directory for all my shows are at hansfenzel.com slash podcasts. Now I'm going to be starting a new series of podcasts after we finish chapter 7, and it's going to be entitled Learn to Lead. Eight Skills Every New Leader Must Master. And I'd like your help in picking out those eight skills. What do you think? What absolutely has to be on the list? You know, I appreciate so much all of you, my listeners. Uh, Shout out to Patrick, one of my new listeners out there in California. Good friend. Hey, I want to engage more with all of you. And in this new series, I'd really like to hear your feedback. I hear so many people who work for miserable bosses, tough situations. If you had to answer the question, what are one of the eight skills every new leader must master once they get thrown into leadership to be effective, what would they be? Would you go to my website, hansfenzel.com slash engage, and let me know what you would put on that list? Or you can just call me and leave me a message on my Google voicemail at 720-440-440. 2981. That's 720-440-2981. If you'd rather just call in. And for the first 20 people who answer, I'm going to give you a free copy coupon for my other new audio book, The Power of Passion and Leadership. If you already have it, you can gift that code to a friend. But for the first 20 people who fill out that page and give me some insight into what you think a skill every new leader must master, I'm going to give you that coupon. Okay, let's listen to Chapter 7 of Communication Chaos. And one of my favorite quotes in this chapter is this, the words information and communication are often used interchangeably, but they signify quite different things. Information is giving out. Communication is getting through from Sidney Harris. Publishers Hall Syndicate. Okay, let's listen. Chapter 7, Communication Chaos, singing from the same page in the hymnal. Never assume that anyone knows anything. The bigger the group, the more attention must be given to communication. When left in the dark, people tend to dream up wild rumors. Communication must be the passionate obsession of effective leadership. I remember the summer that 
we introduced our children to Yellowstone National Park for the first time. I'd not been there myself since I was a child and had forgotten how vast America's most famous national park really is. Amid the beauty of Yellowstone was one sad blemish that shocked us. The many scars of forest fires that destroyed much of the park in 1989. And in those ashes was the story of a communication disaster that almost caused more damage than the fire itself. It seems that the employees of the private company that runs the concessions in Yellowstone became worried for their lives during the height of the fire that threatened to ravage the entire park that summer. As the fires grew more and more dangerous, a rumor began to circulate that the executives of the concession company had a secret escape plan to get out of danger if the fires got too close. Information spread that the employees would have to fend for themselves, and it wasn't long before the company had a near mutiny on its hands, since it was seen as taking care of itself first and employees second, if at all. Lack of communication about evacuation plans coupled with the unfounded rumor destroyed confidence in the company's goodwill. After learning the problem, the company hired a Forest Service spokesman who brought daily updates on the status of the fire to all the employees. Included in the communications was a detailed explanation of the evacuation plans for all employees. The company had no executive escape plan, and the leadership had fully intended to make sure that every employee was safe amid the disaster. But that was not communicated, so the employees were left to speculate. Rumor mills are part and parcel of every work group. Rumors often spread like a forest fire, and rarely, if ever, are they anywhere close to reality. Perhaps it was foolish for those Yellowstone concession employees to believe such a heartless rumor. But when things get bad and survival is involved, people can begin to create their own reality if the true reality is not communicated. Never assume that anyone knows anything. That's one of my favorite mantras. It's a core leadership principle. We can never communicate enough in our organizations. Like the pulsing red cells rushing through our veins, keeping our bodies alive, communication systems are the lifeblood of organizations. The folks at the furthest extremities desperately need to know what's going on in the minds of those at the leadership center if they're to feel comfortable, safe, and knowledgeable about their work. In his excellent book, The Four Obsessions of an Extraordinary Executive, Patrick Lencioni states that two of the four obsessions have to do with communication, organizational clarity and overcommunication of that clarity. Organizational clarity is, quote, the basic definition of what the company does. As simple as it seems, it's common to encounter employees in most companies who are not sure how to describe or define the organization's basic mission. End of quote. Though much of my job as a CEO is communicating our vision and selling our dream out among the public constituents, my insiders need to hear from me just as much, if not more. In fact, I expend as much money on internal as external communication. 
I never assume anymore that even my closest associates can read my mind. I've learned too much from watching false information spread. How to know you have a communication hang-up. A gentleman was walking down a residential street and noticed the man struggling with a washing machine at the doorway of his house. When he volunteered to help, the homeowner was overjoyed, and the two men together began to work and struggle with the bulky appliance. After several minutes of fruitless effort, the two stopped and just looked at each other. They were on the verge of total exhaustion. Finally, when they caught their breath, the first man said to the homeowner, We'll never get this washing machine in there. To which the homeowner replied, In? I'm trying to get it out. Communication chaos begins when small groups start getting larger. As long as the organization is small, oral communication is sufficient, and generally everyone knows everything. But as things grow, the need for formal communication grows. As you recall from the chart in Chapter 4 on the life cycle of organizations, I've included it here again in a slightly different form. I've displayed the process from birth to maturity without the decline toward death. As organizations grow from small entrepreneurships, or a startup church, into a professionally managed organization, communication must be given more and more attention and must become more formal. The organizational chart looks like this. It's called the life cycle of organization. On the left is birth, in the middle is adolescence, and on the right is maturity. You can also find this diagram at hansfenzel.com slash diagrams. Underneath those three words, birth, adolescence, and maturity, an arrow is going from left to right, and there we have the communication patterns. In the early days, it's oral, informal, spontaneous, active, and lively. But as an organization or a church or a ministry grows, and maturity reigns and more and more people are involved and it's larger and larger, organization communication patterns must become written, formal, planned, and liturgical. Early in my career, I had the exciting opportunity to be on the ground floor of a startup leadership organization based in Vienna, Austria. We were a group of zealous entrepreneurs who were creating something out of nothing. Only five families were involved at the outset, and we started out in a borrowed space in the basement of an office building. I remember vividly how we would make decisions in the hallways and communicate orally from one open office door to the other. In fact, we would all go jogging together in the Vienna woods and plan our strategy for the next few months. It was exciting. It was passionate. And it all happened so quickly. We never bothered writing anything down of the great stuff we were cooking up because we were all there. That approach worked great, and we were off and running. There was no question about which page of the hymn book we were all singing from. But five years down the road, we had grown to a staff of more than 60 and had taken over the entire office building. The organization had taken on a life of its own. The style of decision-making that worked so easily first now created chaos and frustration throughout the organization. Hallway decision-making became the negative label for poor communication. That which had worked so well informally now had to be formalized. 
There was massive confusion everywhere about what we were trying to do, what our priorities were, and the details of operational strategy. Inspiration was replaced with uncertainty and misunderstanding. The fun was gone. One reason the informal broke down was that newcomers to the group were left in the dark. Some of them hated jogging. The same small band kept making all the decisions orally, and there was no paper trail left for others to follow. The very passion that surrounds a young upstart can kill it in adolescence. As organizations grow, the original group of founders can become an inside elite. Since they were there from the beginning, they have the most information and power. Newcomers feel left out and in the dark. I recall one of the new employees in our group complaining about the lack of information in this vivid fashion. He said, I feel like I'm living on a mushroom farm. I'm left completely in the dark and fed manure from time to time. That was a revealing statement of the kind of pain that can be caused by poor communication. Patrick Lencioni goes on to say in his book, The Four Obsessions, quote, Within companies that effectively communicate, employees at all levels and in all departments understand what the organization is about and how they contribute to its success. They don't spend time speculating on what the executives are thinking about, and they don't look for hidden messages among the information they receive. As a result, there is a strong sense of common purpose and direction, which supersedes any departmental or ideological allegiances that they may have. Exactly where are we going? Orchestra conductors have the unique ability to bring harmony out of chaos. For a decade, Donna and I had the joy of living in Vienna, one of the world's greatest musical capitals. What a privilege it was. One of the highlights of our social life was to go to the Philharmonic Hall and enjoy the beautiful Vienna Philharmonic Orchestra. Musicians consider the hall where the Philharmonic meets to be the most acoustically perfect music hall anywhere in the world. I don't know a better symphony orchestra than the Vienna Philharmonic. However, when the orchestra first comes out and begins tuning... Their sound amaze you by their discord and chaos. How can this noise become beautiful music? The answer lies in the conductor. He walks out onto the stage, steps onto his platform, taps his music stand, and gives the artists the A note. All of his leadership is wrapped up in that A note, where harmony begins to flow out of chaos. About five years into our project in Vienna, we were beginning to sense growing pains. We invited a management consultant to come in and spend a day with our top leadership. We sat in a circle around a large conference room table and began to talk about fundamentals of the organization. The consultant asked us each to write down the core purpose of our organization. Then we went around the circle and read what we had written. Not two of us said the same thing and some were far afield from the others. No wonder there was so much chaos among us. Like the strings of a guitar that lose their tuning, we had lost our harmony as a leadership group. You know you're in trouble when the top leadership is confused about such fundamental issues as the core purpose for the group's existence. 
Our underlying problem was the failure to make the shift from an oral planning mode to a more formal written one. It was time we sharpened our strategic plan in writing so we could all sign off on it and could use that body of knowledge to orient each new member to the group. When the group is small, everyone knows the score because everyone has had time to touch base with each other almost daily. But if your group grows, you as a leader cross a threshold where you can no longer physically stay in touch through these informal means. In our case, we began to have people living in other cities and countries as part of our organization. There was no way that the oral tradition could continue to drive the operation. It wasn't much fun, but we had to get the organization on paper if we were going to thrive in the long run. You're listening to Chapter 7 of the Top 10 Mistakes Leaders Make by myself, Hans Finzel. Here's a question for you. Are leaders made or are they born? I get asked this question all the time, all over the world. And to me, the answer is pretty simple. Yes, or both. You know, what we're born with is totally out of our control. But what we learn is totally up to each one of us. I'm starting a new series of podcasts called Learn to Lead, Eight Skills Every New Leader Must Master. And I'd like to know what you think. What would you put on the list? Let me know at hansfenzel.com slash engage, or you can call me on my Google voicemail and leave me a message at 720-440-2981. The first 20 people who respond, I'll be giving a free coupon of my new audiobook, The Power of Passion and Leadership. If you already have the book, or you already have the audiobook, you can gift that to a friend. Okay, let's continue to listen to Chapter 7, Communication Chaos. Sooner or later, you must put your plans down in writing and spell out your direction clearly. That doesn't mean that all the plans won't change, but it does mean that everyone knows the rules of the game. It means that you're all trying to conquer and climb the same mountain. Sidney Harris in Publishers Hall Syndicate says, The words information and communication are often used interchangeably, but they signify quite different things. Information is giving out. Communication is getting through. Communication, a series of linkages. The higher you go in leadership, the more sensitive you have to be about everything you communicate. I call this being aware of communication linkages. Every time I make a phone call or write a letter or send an email or make a decision, I have to ask what people are affected by this decision, this letter, this memo, this directive. What are the linkages? It can drive me crazy to think about all the people who need to be informed when a decision is made, whether it's my decision or the decision of the leadership team. Sometimes I feel like a fly caught in a spider web, tangled and stuck, because of all the sticky communication lines attached to me. But I know that the consequences of not informing everyone are communication chaos and damaged relationship. In fact, trust breaks down. Invariably, I send copies of memos or letters to various other people to make sure that they are aware of our decisions and our actions as a leadership team. 
When meetings are over, the hard work of communication begins. It's called cascading communication. The flow of information that has to occur as soon after leaders make decisions as possible. Picture it like ripples in a pond in which you've cast a stone. The stone is the decision. The ripples are the cascades of information that must move out quickly. In his book, Death by Meeting, Patrick Lencioni challenges leaders to make sure that within 24 hours of a meeting, every person affected by the outcome has been informed. Not only must you communicate clearly the decisions you make, quite often you must clear those decisions with a number of colleagues before finalizing them. Even though I have the authority to make decisions in my organization, I would damage the entire system by unilaterally doing so without conferring with the key leaders involved. Let me give you a case in point. We have a gentleman who's been working for us for more than 30 years who lives in Manila. Just five short years of retirement, he's looking for a new challenge. I'm very interested in deploying him to Moscow to help us develop our work in that part of the world, which is booming with new opportunities. It's what I call internal recruitment, where an insider is recruited from one part of the organization to work in another. He went to Moscow this past summer to test the waters and explore the possibilities. He came back exuberant and excited. However, I cannot unilaterally redeploy him without taking into account his previous supervisor, who oversaw his work in the Philippines and his potential new supervisor who works and oversees our work in Europe, the entire process must be coordinated with all the principal parties involved, and that's the hard work of effective communication. I've mentioned this work before, Leadership as an Art, by Max Dupree, but I want to give you another quote from that book, which is just awesome. It's called The Communication Lifeblood. Dupree says, a corporation's values are its life's blood. Without effective communication, actively practiced with the art of scrutiny, those values will disappear in a sea of trivial memos and impertinent reports. There may be no single thing more important in our efforts to achieve meaningful work and fulfilling relationships than to learn and practice the art of communication. When new leaders change the rules. There is never a time when more in-house communication is needed than when a new leader arrives on the scene. People need to know what to expect of their new leader or their new pastor. If you're that person, make sure you over-communicate as an obsession. If you're living under new leadership, demand to hear from the leader as much as possible about their dreams and visions for the group. When I became the CEO of World Venture over 20 years ago, it meant taking over an organization that had been run with a dramatically different leadership style for 22 years. I was as different from my predecessor as a carrot is from a pickle. Not only were our styles dramatically different, but I was from a younger generation a boomer taking over from a builder. And how did that play with our staff? It made them very uneasy and nervous because they didn't know what to expect. For the first couple of years, the jury was out on whether I would survive. And the number one question everyone wanted to know is, who is this new kid on the block? 
I survived and thrived by a passionate commitment to FaceTime and open communication. Communication became a supremely important part of my new job, just like when a new coach takes over a team. The team has a right to know how they're going to play ball. Effective leaders are avid listeners. Leaders often love to talk. They enjoy listening to their own great pearls of wisdom and insight. Sometimes they even begin to believe their own press reports. And as they gain more authority, they have less reason to listen to subordinates. Have you ever noticed that there is much more horizontal communication in most organizations than vertical? Coworkers are always talking about everything, but the communication between the coworkers and their superiors is much less frequent and much more formal. Leaders must figure out ways to tap into that underground flow of information. They must keep current on the undercurrents. The more people you lead, the more you have to listen. Effective leadership has more to do with listening than it does with talking. Leaders, by their very nature, tend to be removed from the front lines of battle in most organizations. They're removed from the customers. They're removed from the constituents. Therefore, they must listen to those who are in the trenches and rely on that information to make wise decisions. Yet the pressures of leadership work against that process at every turn. Here are some reasons why it's hard for leaders to listen to everyone in the organization. And I'm not advocating that a leader has to listen to everyone, but they definitely have to listen to the key people throughout the organization. Here are the reasons. Too little time. The more people you lead, the less time you have for each individual person. Too many people. There are literally dozens of leaders in our organization with whom I should have an intimate relationship including the top leaders in the international office, the leaders overseas in our field offices, our international directors, and the 60-plus leaders of our projects around the world. There are just too many of them. But they can each get individually frustrated with me if I don't take the time or build the systems whereby they can communicate with me and I can communicate with them. Here's another reason why leaders find it hard to communicate pressure. Leaders usually find themselves under a constant sense of pressure from more deadlines and responsibilities than they can handle. The image of a soldier in battle comes to mind. Here I stand in the trenches with bullets flying, planes buzzing overhead, tanks rolling in our direction. My radio is crackling with news from many fronts. Then along comes one of my people who wants a quiet, long talk about his or her concerns. The intense pressures of leadership sometimes make it very difficult to stop and listen attentively, which brings us back to Chapter 2 and making time for people. People work is much more important than paperwork. Here's another challenge, distance. In some cases, the sheer problem of physical distance between leader and his or her followers makes it tough to stay in close contact. I have the challenge that many of our top leadership live four to 5,000 miles away from me. And even though we have social media and instant communication electronically, there is still no substitute for that great FaceTime. Here's another example. Too much knowledge. Leaders sometimes know 
so much that they find it hard to listen to someone rehearsing stories, facts, or anecdotes that the leader has already heard a dozen times. Another reason? Pride. This comes on the heels of the knowledge problem. Sometimes we simply think we know too much. We get to the place where we don't think we can learn from others. The admonition of the Bible should clear up the air. James 1.19 says, Be quick to listen, but slow to speak. Communication overload. This problem was addressed in the paperwork versus peoplework discussion in Chapter 2. The whole Internet technology revolution is tightening the information noose around the neck of the average leader. Leaders can become so saturated with communication from so many directions that they find their system shutting down from overload. With all the technological devices at our disposal screaming at us, we can just run but not hide from communication overload. Nothing stops the progress of an organization more quickly than leaders failing to listen. Like hardening of the arteries, restricted communication will destroy a leader's credibility. Followers want to communicate to their leaders. If you fail to listen to them, their very effectiveness and job satisfaction will be in jeopardy. At the end of this chapter, I'll give you some tips on how to overcome these obstacles. This has been Hans Finzel. Thank you for listening to the Leadership Answer Man. Remember that leaders make great things happen. We can always take our leadership to the next level. I hope you keep listening and learning and that you go out there this week and make a difference with your leadership.